everybody, and welcome to the Nightfly Podcast with me, Dave Juskow, our monthly audio-video combined podcast. Oh, this is going to be a good one. You're really going to like it. I got the guy on, finally, who makes the best buffalo wings in New York City. All that and more on the Nightfly, and it all starts right now. Well, I hope everybody's doing all right and having a nice week. I have had a, I don't know, just like a regular week as usual. We're pretty much doing nothing. Although, I mean, I technically went out twice to Jersey. Um, I'll tell you all about that next week. This is our our uh, video, our monthly video, audio podcast, which is always lots of fun, hopefully. Uh, this is the time where I do interview people because that's the way it's done now. I mean, things would be totally different if there was no pandemic. People would be at my house or I'd be at their houses or they'd be we'd be down at the comedy cellar. But this has changed everything around. But Zoom is OK. And that's the way we're doing it now, which allows me to bring you a video related podcast. We're going to be talking to. We are going to be talking to. Uh, Patrick Hughes, who, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, if you've listened to this podcast over the past six years and over 300 episodes, <laughs> you thought I had some sort of arrangement with this guy who was the owner or is the owner of Scruffy Duffy's, the greatest buffalo chicken wings on the planet. And today he's going to tell us how the sauce was made. I mean, how it all came to fruition why they're so delicious, and what lies ahead in the future. You might have read about them in the post. We'll talk more about it in a second. Uh, I will just uh, tell you that um, this week, Joe Allen from Joe Allen's, if you remember, I, I've talked about this before. I tell you that classic story. Now, Joe Allen's is a place on Restaurant Row, which is on 46th between 8th and 9th. That's Restaurant Row. That's what they call it, but 48th. 46th Street between 8th Avenue and 9th Avenue. It's a bunch of restaurants, and it's a really nice block in, you know, Hell's Kitchen, which is a dump. But it's a it's a, it's held up. The block is fun, and it's got a lot of restaurants. And one of them is Joe Allen's. And Joe Allen's, as you know, has been around, or as you may remember, has been around for a really long time. And it's a place you're supposed to go. They cater to the before and after theater crowd. And you know how I love that. Catering to the theater crowd is all up in Dave Juskow's ass. <laughs> that sounded disgusting. But, you know, no, but they, so this place is a place, you know, me and, and Larry Moss, um, the great acting teacher and my friend Vincent would always go to after a show and they their whole decor was failed Broadway shows, ones that lasted a day or two and that's what decorated their wall. So already, you know, it's a pretty fun place to uh, take that risk and just put failed shows on the wall. It's a, a gutsy call when you are opening a Broadway-themed 
restaurant in the sense of uh, staying open late so you can eat after the theater ends. You know, so that could be like an eleven o'clock meal if you're seeing a musical. Uh, and I remember telling you the one story, and I've had multiple times there. You know, when I'm there with Larry Moss, everybody comes over. You know, I think it was was it Christian Slater or was it Leonardo DiCaprio? I don't know. One of those two came over to our table like Larry. Must have been Christian Slater, the way I'm telling it. <laughs> Great to see you. You know, like he's the king there. Uh, so everyone goes there. It's been a staple for years. I, I guess it'll stay open, I guess. But the owner, Joe Allen, who I didn't even know was an actual guy, just died last week. But he was almost 90. But a, a sad time for a guy that, uh, you know, really, I think, enjoyed owning that restaurant to die, you know, going out like that. When things are so bleak, that's a bummer. You almost want him to die like a year before so he doesn't have to see this. I keep thinking about the people that have died before this, you know, like my dad or anybody. You know, I'm like, well, I'm glad they didn't have to sit through this. Uh, not that it matters either way, but I guess there's certain people. It's just kind of funny. I, that's what I was thinking about yesterday. I mean, I'm getting so more rose because I'm spending so much time alone. I'm just thinking about I wonder what the people would think who are dead now about this. <laughs> I mean... I don't know why I'm thinking that way, but so that Joe Allen story was I was telling you about was uh, my mother and I and my sister went to go see an American in Paris, the stage musical version of the Oscar winning movie with Gene Kelly and I believe Sid Charisse. It won best picture of the year, I think 1950 something or or so. It's horribly dull, but the Broadway play was pretty good. <laughs> That's the classic story, if you remember, that um, my mother... It's mostly a ballet, and my mother and I were there, and we saw and we recognized the guy who was the lead who was in the production of Romeo and Juliet that we had seen at the ballet. And then I ran into the owner of the Gotham Comedy Club, Chris Mazzilli, who's, you know, very Italian, very... You know, you got the three-piece suit, you know, the old school, you know, like this. Hey, you know, <laughs> we run into him and he goes, how you doing? I'm like, oh, this is my mom. And she goes, I just, uh, I said, we just went to see an American in Paris. He goes, how was it? He goes, oh, my God, David, and I totally recognize the lead guy from the ballet. And I'm like, all right, shut up, shut up. <laughs> so that's uh, that play, let alone I call that place and I say, we want to make a reservation I'm um, just trying to figure out. He goes, "What are you, can I just ask you a question? The, the guy answering the phone goes, can I just ask you a question? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, are you going to see a play? And I'm like, yes. And he goes, um, which play? <laughs> and I go, An American in Paris? Okay, you need to make an, a, an, a 1045 reservation. And I go, well, I'm also with my elderly. 1045. Like he had it all figured out. <laughs> He's like, that will give you the – like they knew the running time of every play – how long it would take to walk over there. I think I must have told him I was with my elderly mother, so he factored that in. But how long it would take, what time to play over, and what time you needed to make a reservation. And boy, he was spot on. Why wouldn't they be? This is what that place, Joe Allen's, did. And when I was thinking about that when the guy died, I was just thinking about, man, you know, I've had so many really great experiences at restaurants, and even the bad ones are fun because I can complain about them, which, of course, is how this podcast was launched, complaining about restaurants and stuff, that it made me miss restaurants. Now, as we're taping this today, 
there uh, on uh, Friday, the twelfth. Uh, they're opening uh, the restaurants today, twenty five percent. I also heard David Tell called me last night or it said the the governor is going to extend the time from ten o'clock to eleven o'clock, which is a little bit helpful. Uh, I mean, why not just extend it to midnight at that point? Uh, but we also feel he's doing it to uh, because he's trying to cover up this cover up, which I don't know whether you know if you're from out of town. Apparently, he covered up a lot of the numbers for uh, what do you call it? The, the when old people go to a place like you know those nursing homes and the deaths that happen, and he covered up a bunch of the numbers. Uh, for what reason, I'm still not sure, but apparently there is a big cover-up, and the trying to discover it. I've told you this guy is a bag of shit, Governor Cuomo. Um, There's something very suspicious about him, and this should, in fact, once they uh, figure out what's actually been going on, uh, stop any plans he has for running for president, which, of course, is fine with me. So he's uh, agreed to keep everything open till 11. And the reason why I'm upset about all this is because, again, this guy is bad news, right? All right, so he got us through a little bit of the pandemic. Uh, his demeanor was nice and made people comfortable. But the what he's been doing to New York City, and he can't just blame the mayor on this. Of course he can, but we all know he sucks. I mean, everybody knows. Uh, like I said, if I ever have this podcast, I'd probably love to talk to him. He's probably a delightful guy. But what this guy's done to New York City is just uh he's destroyed it governor cuomo i don't think he's a fan of new york city i don't think his father was a fan of new york city and they subsequently really have destroyed new york city will it bounce back of course it will but he's not making it very easy for a lot of places and let alone like i've told you not going all in on the gambling and the weed even if you're against it i mean it just makes so much money and it's gambling and weed. It's not like Portland where they've, you know, okayed heroin and coke. It's weed, which a lot, of, which my Aunt Judy uses for pain medication, you know, um, and gambling, which, you know, you can choose to do or not. Does it destroy people's lives? Sure. But so does drinking and whatever else you got. You know, anything you do to excess, you just have to let the people and the chips fall where they may. But how much would that have helped? This state, if he was all in, and the way he's planning on doing the gambling, again, huge mistake. We've already talked about that at length. So uh, exciting that the places will be open at least to 25%. They should open to 50% so he can really make a difference in helping these restaurants. I have some more closures since it's a big restaurant podcast today that I just found out about today. Uh, Ironically, all of them, well, except two, uh, I'm glad they're closed. <laughs> I couldn't be happier. <laughs> they just memories of crap. Uh, this place Ethos closed. I think it's down the block from me. I couldn't stand that place. A Greek restaurant. Again, these are two places. I got two places that my friend Lee Maracas used to love to go to. Of course, Ethos because they're Greek. Greek food stinks. Greek people are dumb, as you can see in Greece. They don't know how to do math. I know that sounds horrible, but um, I hated this place. We went there for his dad's 80th. Uh, it was a, it's a stupid place. The only thing that was good about it was it was in the neighborhood. But I just thought it was dumb. Uh, it was, it, I don't know. I'm glad it's closed. It's a stupid place. And then, like, I think I had a, a fish there, which was awful. Yeah, yeah, right? 
It was like a fish, like uh, like in The Sopranos in that episode where Tony had the fish, and then he hewed a huge pasta meal after them. Remember? And then he had gas and diarrhea and stuff. It was something like that. It was awful. And uh, the people there were just okay. It just uh, some of those Greek places just don't work for me. Um, and another place called Le Le. Colonial, which is on 57th Street, another dump where we had Lee Maracas's. Did, did we have his engagement party or his mother's birthday? One of those stupid places where it was just a bad time. Yeah, that's right. It was his old girlfriend who was a bag of crap. Now he's married to somebody we all like. Um, but his old girlfriend planned a party there, and it was just like not cool and not fun. And his old girlfriend was such a bag of crap that I think I just remember it as a bad place and not, I think, where his mom wanted to have her birthday, whatever. You know, it was just all not cool. So good riddance on that place. I never went in there again. It's right by my house. Um, This other place called Lucky Strike in Soho. Uh, I went in there a couple times with my friend Andrea, and it was just, it it was okay. I don't hate it. I'm not upset. I mean, I'm not... I wasn't, you know, crazy about it, but it wasn't like a bad place. But um, there was something awkward about it. I'm sorry. I got to take a little sip, a little coffee action. Um, but uh, yeah, I say good riddance. I wasn't a big fan of it. Yeah, but I mean, not good riddance in the sense I'm sure the people would have liked. But you know, uh, all these places that have closed that I hate. You know, you should have been. Uh, you should have uh, worked it out. But you should have been kinder to people when they came in. Should have been nice. You know. That's all I'm saying. Then people might do something for you, like we're going to talk about with Steve Olson in the West Bank Cafe. Politeness goes a long way in a restaurant and your customers. There's a place called Duke's, which is on 3rd Avenue and 37th. Went there multiple times. It wasn't a bad time every time, but the place sucked. Their wings sucked. And I'm mentioning that today because we're having the guy that made the greatest wings of all time in New York City on. Uh, their wings sucked. Their food was subpar. Their drinks were stupid. And their place was rather dirty. It was an okay place to watch sports. But every time I was in there, I had a bad time. I went in there with a lot of people from work. So now it just brings up bad memories. But let's just say that's not even the case. That place sucked. You know, it's just, it just, it, it, it wasn't good. And, um, you know, good riddance. Fuck that place. And the people in there weren't that great. It's like not, you know, if I remember having a good time in a place, if but if I don't remember, if I've been in there multiple times and I can't remember, I mean, I remember being in there, but never having a great time, then I blame the place. So that's what you get. Um, this place called Big Gay Ice Cream, which is the funniest thing. They had two locations. They have one in the West Village, but their East Village location closed. Uh, big fan favorite. Now, I think I was in there once. It was okay. It's hilarious that it's called Big Gay Ice Cream. And uh, apparently it's pretty good and people really like it. So I'm sorry they closed, but I'd never been in there once in the East Village. I don't even know whether I've been in the one in the West Village. Maybe I have. I can't remember. But, you know, I, I don't I don't want to be seen in there because, you know... <laughs> big gay ice cream i'm not man enough to enter an establishment like that but i will go see an american in paris with my mother (laughs) hello everybody how are you and uh the last place which i can't believe i forgot to mention 
in our show when we were talking about all the closures was Baker Street. Baker Street, are you ready for this, folks? Baker Street, I probably told you a couple times, it's in my neighborhood. And Baker Street, folks, was the place where they filmed our favorite movie, Cocktail, where Tom Cruise learns the ropes from Brian Brown. Can you make a red eye? Hey, Bolton, Barkeep, can you make a red eye? Want to see a grown man cry? Don't forget it. He'll leave you before Valentine's Day. Um, yeah. Closed down thanks to the pandemic. Now, that place I really liked for obvious reasons that it was the place where Cocktail was filmed. Obviously. <laughs> but it was nice. I liked the people that owned it. I liked the bartenders there. My friend Kenny and I would go there to watch Jets games. Uh, it was one of those places where on Sundays, I guess I could just tell you now, uh, when they had those 9.30 in the morning games from London, they'd open up. They weren't supposed to open up, but they'd open up if you knew the people. They'd close the shades down, and you could sit there and actually drink while the football game was going on. So kudos to that place, and fuck you, coronavirus, for closing it. That place was a fun time and a great place, and let alone all the history. Now it's closed up. And anybody that buys it next, if it's going to be done anything, they'll probably destroy the outlay. I mean, the outlay was kept to the exact way it was from the movie when it was a TGI Fridays, even though they don't tell you that in the movie. But it's very clear that everybody in the movie is dressed in those pinstripes uh, TGI Friday clothing. So it was a, a TGI Fridays, and then it turned into a couple of things before it turned into Baker Street. But, you know, for Dave Jessica and Cocktail being probably one of his top 10 favorite movies of all time. That is a COVID tragedy, let alone, as we talked about, Lansdowne Road. And speaking of Lansdowne Road, who, again, I've done multiple ads for over the years because always a good time was had, always with me and my friend Chris Murphy going in there every Monday night. And then when it wasn't football season, just bringing in my friends and nobody, and as I... Uh, you know, tell Pat Hughes, the owner, um, everyone I bought in there every time they're like, boy, these are the best wings I've ever had. There was it was 100 percent. No one ever denied it. And unfortunately, now you guys don't get to reap the benefits of that, although he does have uh, another place open, Scruffy Duffy's. But of course, nothing's open. So now he's open a little bit. And we'll talk about that uh, right now, actually. In fact, let's um, you know who we have today. So we have I'm going to bring in Pat Hughes right now and. Our, our really good friend who I have also talked about on the podcast, uh, Cece Gold, Girl Tech. Oh, my God. I can't pronounce her name. <laughs> it's, it's so difficult. But it's uh, one of the twins who's in the Discover Card commercial. And I've told you that story multiple times, how great these two are. And I have Cece on today. So I have the two of them on. They love each other. I mean, think about this. This is a restaurant owner and his waitress. And they've become more than that. They're friends. And you know me, everywhere I've worked, I'm still friends with the staff, and that's the kind of guy that Pat Hughes is, and you're going to see all about that coming up next on The Nightfly. Hell, I was born here, and I was raised here, and that's going, I'm going to die here. The Nightfly. 
with Dave Juskow. Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm honored to have my uh, guest this evening or this afternoon, whenever you listen or watch. Um, I have Patrick Hughes, who is the owner and proprietor of what everybody knows who listens to this podcast, the greatest wings in the history of wings, Scruffy Duffy's, among other uh, restaurant titles. And C, well, I call her CC, uh, girl, 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 pronounce your last name. <laughs> Gold Turk. Gold Turk, yeah. I, that's too much of a tongue twister for me. Yeah. I don't think I've ever called you by your last name before. I've always called you CC. I, I don't even know if I pronounce it CNAM as your actual full name. So. No, CC's fine. I'll take it. Yeah, right. Of, of the CC and Mel show. And of course, you know her as a, an unbelievable actress in commercials with her sister. And uh, she joined us because I know her technically through Patrick, but then I know Patrick technically through her. So, well, actually, Patrick and I have never met before, although we probably have since yes. I used to be a participant of your restaurant for many, many years. Well, yeah. thank you. And uh, you helped pay for this house that I'm now calling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad. Patrick, let me just tell, let me just start my Scruffy Duffy story. I, I'm so excited to have you on it. Uh, anybody that has listened to my podcast for the past six years and not just that, but any of my friends, my comic friends, they all know how much I've said that Scruffy Duffy's were the greatest wings in the city or that I've ever had. And I am talking about from the 90s when you had the original Scruffy Duffy's place, which was so weird because I went there in the 90s and it was great. And I remember finding this place because I went to Ithaca College in the 80s. Yeah. The, and, and I always felt like I bought Buffalo Wings with me somehow here to Manhattan <laughs> because, you know, they didn't exist when we were kids. Right. So I guess they came out around the 80s. And um, then I found your bar thing in the 90s. In the, in the early 90s, there was a place called Entourage on the Upper East Side I used to go to. Mm. And they had a Monday Night wing special. Vaguely. Uh, vaguely. It was on the Upper East Side. It was right across from the comic strip. So we all used to go there, you know, after work. But um, then I found your place on the Upper, well, not the Upper, it was, it was Hell's Kitchen, but let, what was it like the late 40, like 48th Street, maybe? Yeah, we were on 8th Avenue, diagonally across from McHale's, which was a famous old Broadway theater. Right. Age hand, hangout actresses. But we were on 8th Avenue between 46th and 47th from... 1990 through Feb February 2008. Wow. So, oh, you did go. Okay. You went all the way. Into the hard years. I just real. I didn't know you were there from 2008 because what I do remember is first of all, like you did the wings the correct way that nobody seemed to get. And you put them in the, the bowl and you had just the proper amount of blue cheese and celery when people were just making up their own inventions on that. It was driving me crazy. And you had it just right. And it was a really great place. And it was so much fun. And then one day I went there because maybe we hadn't been there in a while. And the building was gone. Yeah. Like the entire building was gone. I'm like, what the hell happened? And there was no, I don't, well, I guess there was the internet, but I, I, don't, I just didn't, did it burn down? <laughs> no. <laughs> Two interesting stories, right? This was an old gin mill. Like uh, it was originally called the Bantry Bar. And my uncle Frank suckered my father into buying it off him in 1981. 
And really, that was the last straw with my parents' marriage. My mother was livid that my father would be suckered into giving my uncle money for what was a complete dump on 8th Avenue. But be that as it may, it was rough back in the 80s on 8th. Oh, yeah. The lease was up. The lease was terrible there. It was like it had a 30-day demolition clause. So if the landlord decided to sell the property for development, the building was crumbling. So it appeared like at any moment it could come down. Then we had 30 days to vacate the property. So so that's why it happened so quickly. That's why it happened quickly. But the other end of it was that in 1990, when I took over the place from my parents, my sister and I, we got it because nobody else wanted it. You know, like we renegotiated a lease. Nobody would sign a lease with a 30 day, Hey, you got to leave clause with no compensation. So, and the other part of it though, you worked your ass off because you, I always thought because I'm inherently insecure that this was my last month that now this is it. This is it. And my idea then, since I had put in about 20,000 of my own money, which really, I put my Honda Civic in a neighborhood where I knew it would get stolen. <laughs> so I got 11300 back from that. I had a moving truck. Yeah, it's true. It's not insurance fraud. I just casually parked it there <laughs> where all the cars got stolen from. And uh, I got the money back from that. I got the money back from this little moving truck I owned because I was moving furniture by day. And bartending for the uncle who owned the store originally up at the Kinsale Tavern at 93rd and 3rd. So I was moving furniture, Husky Express moving. We work like dogs for you. So I did bartending by night. And then the lease was up in my father's bar on 8th Avenue. And my sister and I went in there, took over got rid of what was an old steam table up front. I don't know if you remember the Blarney stones and the Blarney rocks. Right. They still have that at PJ Clark's. Yeah. Well, I haven't been at PJ Clark's in a hundred years, but you know, we changed the menu right away because the kitchen was the best type of an operation. You need volume. Other than that, the food just sits out there and it's unhealthy and it goes bad and it's disgusting at the end of the day. So we said, we're just going to do wings. And um, yeah, what sp- made you think of wings, though? I mean, it's just like, yeah. what, why'd you come up with wings? Well, it was simple. It was easy. Everybody else was doing wings. The kitchen staff thought I was crazy. The four, five, the four Dominicans that had worked there for 10 years and had worked at my dad's original bar on 59th Street between oh. Park and Madison. That was a Blarney Stone, official Blarney Stone. Oh, and right. That- yeah, I know that place. Playboy Club, which was on 59th between Park and Madison. And he had that place from something like the 1971 through 81. But in those days, see, he got money. He got bought out to get out of that location. An insurance company wanted to come along and demolition, d- demolish the building. And they paid them big money in those days. It was something like $1.4 million that he split wow. with his partner Oh, wow, is right. You'll read about it in my book, how my father, my simple Irish father, squandered every penny on wine, women, and song. Oh, <laughs> And buying that bar on 8th Avenue from my Uncle Frank. <laughs> That's awesome. But, and that, I have a question. Um, yes. 
it just David earlier you were saying how you just had the perfect amount of blue cheese and then the celery sticks and you just did it right um when I was a waitress for you Pat everyone always asked for carrots I know this is such a silly thing but it bothered me so much but why why didn't you ever also because you know how some places give carrots and celery sticks yes did you decide those places are losers but since you worked for them, you really, most people throw the carrots and the celery back, right? They don't even, at most of the time. So it was just make things simple. We just stuck with the, but I actually think at the new scruffies, we started to do carrots and blue cheese, but, and and celery, but I don't remember. I can't keep track. Celery is the way to go. Celery is the way to go. Now, I know it's your, your podcast, but I have to tell you the wings, right? Where did the wings come from? Well, no, that, that's exactly what I want to know. Yeah. How did you yeah. get this amazing recipe? It's incredible. Here I am, 26 years old. I'm on 8th Avenue. My sister's bartending by day. I'm bartending by night. And we're filling in the other shifts with all sorts of people, right? And uh, we had a big dog in the bar for security. It was a big rock. <laughs> And he was there for 10 years in that bar. And what he was his was, name. His name was Riggs. Oh. <laughs> like the guy, like the Rottweiler in Lethal Weapon, maybe. <laughs> but, you know, we started off and we took the steam tape. We left it there and we just put wings out and blue cheese and celery. And some dude came in, bought the wings, and he said, shook his head no. And he grabbed me, he says, uh, come with me. Where's your kitchen? No. Now, Yes, this is exactly how it happened. And it shows you, you never know how you affect someone else's life. You never know. Whether it's something you say, whether it's something you do for somebody, this dude has no idea what he did for me. Took me to my own kitchen, and he said, these wings are all wrong. I'm going to teach you how to make the wings. So he was probably in his 40s, and I said, come on. He goes, get a piece of paper and go get these ingredients. So I went to the supermarket and I got those ingredients, right? Came back and he showed me how to cook them. He said, fry them till they float. This is how you make the sauce. And this is the one secret ingredient that you will use in your sauce forever and ever. Amen. And I did it. And the rest is history. And the the funny thing is, is that guy turned out to be a ghost. Incredible. (laughs) I never saw him again. Right. He he does he didn't actually exist. He's not actually human. He just I mean that's like the funniest. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's how you told us that. Well, it's just so hard to believe that that's how it really happened, you know? And you never found you never saw this guy again. He never you didn't know his name or anything. I didn't know his name. And I never I never saw him again. So if those of you that believe in guardian angels or Whatever, wasn't that the strangest interaction, right? I, I believe there's no such thing as coincidences. Yeah. Also, I have to uh, tell you something. Uh, recently, I had, I'm not going to give a name, but somebody texted me and asked if the chefs that used to make your wings were available. Oh, isn't that interesting? To go to an unnamed place in new york to have a food truck to make those exact wings oh that little sneak well listen i didn't say i didn't write back 
that's the greatest form of uh, well, well this is this is where my story also goes so your place closes the building just disappears i'll never yeah. forget i was there like man am <laughs> i excited and the building's gone i mean that never happens usually you know the sign says closed you know but well, the building oh, uh, disappeared you know yeah. so then I'm in, it's weird because this girl that I uh, was like best friends with, we used to go there all the time and she, she actually just died. It's a kind of a sad story, oh. <laughs> uh, oh. but I know. And, and we used to love her. We were wing buddies, you know, on Mondays, but um, uh, so she lived in Clinton, New Jersey. And I don't know where, if you know where I'm going with this, but okay. So this is makes sense. So we go and there's, there's a diner next to her house off route 78 in New Jersey by the Pennsylvania border. I know. First, you. Okay. You do know that says that no idea. You, they serve scruffy Duffy's wings and I can't believe my eyes. And I'm like, how is this even possible that number one, they know about it out here or number two, that, that Patrick, who I didn't know at the time gave them the right to serve these wings, and when I had them, they were awful. They were ah, not these wings. Good, good. How um, can you explain that? I've been waiting is... to ask you this for, I guess, since 2008. All right, here you go. I went to college in Florida, for FIU, outside of Miami, for hotel and restaurant management. And I meet this spoiled brat, rich kid, Robert Backert. And I, I'm still friends with do you remember Bob Backert? Seen him? He was tall and handsome. He's still extremely handsome today. He's oh, I age. know what I'm thinking. I'm thinking of the opposite Brian Backer, who was in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, who played Rat, <laughs> who's the exact opposite of tall and handsome. Go ahead. <laughs> this fellow was a, uh, his family owned a very big catering hall out in that area, uh, off Route 78, called the Schwebeschau Alb, Austrian name. Don't ask me what it means. Then they turned it into the Springdale Lounge. And it was a catering hall. They only opened on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays for dinners. But they did weddings in German, you know, yeah, lots of crazy things. And outdoor, a big corporate area. So they did big corporate picnics on their grounds. But then the dad died. And then the property became very expensive to maintain. Like, for example, just to put the seed down on all those acres, it was like, $20,000 in seed every year, right? Just to keep the grass growing. So all these little expenses added up. They sold off the property to a developer. Oh, no. And Wait. You, I, oh, come oh, back. You back. went on for a second, so you're back. But anyway, <laughs> Bob and when the family sold the family business, Bob and his wife bought this place on Route 7, Lamington, New Jersey. I think it was called the Lamington Pub. Yes, I think I think so. I don't. It was right on 78 and it was near Clinton, New Jersey, where this girl was from. Yeah. And I gave Bob the secret recipe. I there uh... and I made the wings for him just as kind of a I don't know if I was half thinking of expanding the brand or he did it because he was a friend or a combination of all of those things. And he put them on the menu and that's where you saw them. Well, he didn't get it right. Awesome. I'll never forget because it was just like, I'm like, you know, we're going to get. And then I think I told the waitress, you know, she doesn't care. And I'm like, you know, we're from the. You know, like, <laughs> and, and then I was like, what? These are awful. They're, I mean, they were going nowhere. They're, they might have been the worst wings I ever had. So to have your label on it was really making me angry. Well, I have another little story. Well, Sinem, you know that the waitress doesn't care. You know that part. 
Zero. Well, F- actually, seeing him as uh, I don't know. You know, she makes you think she cares, which makes her the best waitress <laughs> or the best actress. So, <laughs> no, that Pat, I do care. I do yeah. care. She does feel like she cares. She's such a kind person. Her and her sister. Yeah, I do. I, I mean, what a find to find a, a a friend and a waitress like that. I mean, that's uh, it's amazing, right? I have uh, so many friends that are my old um, clients, I guess you could say, or restaurant patrons that used to come in. They're still my friends. Isn't that amazing? Huh? <laughs> clients. <laughs> oh my God, Pat! <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Can I talk about you mentioned your sister and yeah, then uh, the chefs at Scruffy's or Lansdowne? Well, first of all, Meltem must be extremely jealous that you're appearing on this podcast. She did <laughs> ask me why she wasn't invited. Of course. Oh. And who? Get ready for this one. I've been waiting all week. I'm uh, pretty who's going to say it. Nope. John Rowan. John Rowan, who's now bartending at Annie's, went, John. In, went into the kitchen and said to Cirillo, who's now yeah. working at Annie's, said, Cirillo, don't you miss the twins? And Cirillo said, well, Meltem was nice. <laughs> <laughs> Burn. <laughs> Pat, that was not- Wait, Cirillo was at Lansdowne, though. Yes. I never worked with him. Whatever. You must well, have. Maybe that's that. why. You know, he's angry, he's angry that you never worked with him. So he's taking. Do it not out. ever repeat this story. I hope you edit this story out. I am the nicer <laughs> twin. I am the nicer twin, the prettier twin, the funnier twin, all the better parts. And Pat, you know it. <laughs> well, the Listen, worst part for me is. Messenger. I'm going to go. I'm going to go talk to him. <laughs> now you've done it. The worst part is for me is I really am just bad. I can't tell you apart. I, yeah, I, I mean, know you always thought I could, but I can't. I'm bad at all of that. I'm just so bad at that. My father still can't tell us part. <laughs> no, I'm that's serious. Like, that's he really funny. Uh, one more wing uh, story. Oh, I have a bunch of wing stories. So okay. go ahead. <laughs> uh, you know, the guys over at Hibernia on 50th, just off 9th. Well, two of the three partners worked for me at Scruffy's, Sean Berger and Aiden Fogarty. And, and um, when that store was available, when the original Scruffy's was closing, I did have the opportunity to sort of scoop it out from underneath them. But I did not, because that would have been bad karma, right? So yeah. they took one of my cooks over there to, of course, do the Scruffy Duffy wings, because he knew how to do it. But I know, just like the Lamington pub out there off Route 78, and I know that these guys would not have taken the time to go and find the secret ingredient and to use it consistently. But recently, now they're successful and their wings are good. But recently, I overheard Sean and Dee Dee at, well, when, when we were opened, they were at Scruffy's and Dee Dee leaned into Sean burger at the bar and said you see sean these are your our wings aren't scruffy wings these are the right wings so even with the copying they couldn't do it well i mean i already know what the secret ingredient is so i'm just going to say it it's love ah it's very clear (laughs) it has to be because you have such passion for it what were you gonna say seen him i was gonna ask what the secret ingredient oh we can't ask that that's not fair i'm gonna ask him we have to try we have to try 
I know as a as a journalist, I'm supposed to try, but I, I was leaving that till later. I was going to try and get it out secretly somehow. Okay, but. you try again later, though. You should. You should. Well, I was hoping, right? It'd be like, I'm going to say what the secret ingredient is. No, don't tell everybody it's mayonnaise. Right. <laughs> but, no, I'm just. If I told you what the ingredient was, people would still be too lazy to go and get it. I have right. a feeling it's vinegar. Oh, um, interesting. How dare you? It's apple cider yeah. vinegar. Everybody knows that. Yeah, everybody. <laughs> but wait, so, okay, so the story continues. So then um, you, so you open Lansdowne after? Lansdowne was opened in 2006. And when Scruffy's closed, since I hadn't been spending any time over there and I had a partner running the show over there and an excellent manager, Colleen, didn't she hire you? Yeah, she did. Oh. She hired Mel and I. She did. It was awesome, right? That yeah. was, you, you guys were like the best hires ever. Oh, my know? God. That's a fact. And now yeah. I'm just going to go since we're talking about the twins. I will just tell you that what made Lansdowne, which, which you which – you, uh, don't own you didn't know you got rid of after what and then moved over to the other places oh what happened was uh let me hear that first such a beast of a place and never really profitable as busy as it was at times Mm. the overheads were just too much the staff the staff it was expensive everything about that space was expensive and it was difficult we had a few difficult years at the beginning then we had a few decent years but then things really started like the real estate taxes went through the roof. I went from spending zero on real estate taxes to, you know, a hundred thousand a year because oh a standalone building, the, uh, the taxes are passed along to the tenant. We pay everything. So it's like, you're just about like, a, you're just about catching your breath towards the end of the year. And then bam, the real estate bill comes. Right. Well, that that, have- that crushed a lot of people around that t- around the, in the late the 2010s area uh, that crushed a lot of bars. Yeah, but you know we uh, really I had Lansdowne sold just prior to the uh, the shutdowns in March. The deal was I had a, a signed deal. Well, it wasn't signed; it didn't have to be. But I had the deposit, and I had brought a buyer in to buy the building from the landlord, and he was going to give me a few dollars for my stuff and just to get out, right? Which was great. Something would have been better than nothing. But then with the pandemic struck, the deal fell through. And my, yeah, my buyer came to me and said, hey, do you think the landlord will give me a break? Just, he wanted like a half a million dollars off the purchase price of the building. And I said, he should, because we're heading into a dark period here. So I told my, I called my landlord and I was sort of playing broker, unofficial broker. And uh, the landlord said, oh, no, he's trying to take advantage of the situation. <laughs> I said, Dick, please, you've got to make a deal. You know, for the sake of both of us, just make the deal. Get it done. This is going to be what's coming is awful. And he refused okay. to budge and the whole deal fell through. So then I just handed back the, the keys to the landlord and I said, I'm out. And I lost my deposit. But I was so relieved to be out of it. Oh, it was a stress every week to just try and make the payroll every you, week for years. But you, uh, when you owned Lansdowne, you also bought the Hellcat Annie's and there was another place before you put well, together. Well, 
there was a fire at that bar where Hellcat Annie's is. Then it, before that, it was the Pony Bar. The Pony Bar. That's right. That's yeah. where everybody said, oh, the twins moved to the Pony Bar. Yeah. Well, that was a famous bar. That was the original. Oh, 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 oh. That was. The I thought original. he saw a mouse. I know. <laughs> that was the original headquarters for the uh, the Westies, right? Wow. And it used to be called the White House. So Mickey Spillane was the head of the Westies in the 70s, and that was their spot. Oh. And it became, from the White House, it was called uh, the Jukebox Cafe. Then it was the Clinton Grill. Then it was 10th Avenue Lounge. Then there was a second fire. Whoever owned it prior to me, not... I'm not pointing any fingers. <laughs> Second fire. So the landlords put the space up for rent. And my partner at the time at Lansdowne was a big craft beer guy. Yeah. And he's the pony bar up on 75th and 1st. So his idea was to do this craft beer thing, which I was like, no way is this going to work. But it worked and it really took off and it was booming for like five years. So why why do you have both places did you have the the wings in one place or something and then the craft beer in the other you had two places right it's just a craft you know it was all crafty and like cheese plates and different sort of that that sort of uh i don't know what's the name of that food what do you call that kind of food seen them like charcuterie boards like those kind of things yeah whatever was that the artisanal or is that what it's called or uh uh, crude crudite yeah it was that (laughs) It was like grilled cheese. It was just a little different type of bar food and the craft beer. And it was it was good for a while. We caught the wave of the craft beer thing, you yeah. know, and all of our regular beer salesmen started to grow beards and people <laughs> right. beard liquid, like, hey, we got some good liquid. I mean, it drove me absolutely nuts. I mean, so I could not So that Pat then became an ambassador or what was it? You were declared something from. Ah, uh-huh. uh-huh. that's right. That's Pat, right. What is it called? Well, I am a true friend of the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> they, came, they, they came to his bar. I think it was. They came to um, Hellcats, okay. and they declared that he is a true friend of the crown. Like the whole Bud Light team came. Dilly, Dilly Dally, Dilly Dilly. Was like the Budweiser people. Yes. That's yes. amazing. When my partner and I split up because we were having uh, differences over the future. Was that the the partner, the tall guy with the glasses and the gray hair? No, that was Seenum's art. George. That was George. Oh. George George came with me from the original Scruffies. Yeah. And George is awesome. George and I always, you know, George and I have been in and out of our lives for many, many times over the years. George was a customer at the original Scruffies, and he used to come in with his workmates and play chess. And um, that's what he looks like. You know, <laughs> play Golden Tea video game, and he was around the corner. And they they worked at a bar up on the Upper West Side called. Um, it wasn't Elaine's. It was called. It was there. For, he was a waiter. For, a, a waiter for twenty one yeah. years, and then he was driving by the bar i was working the front door and george was driving by on his bicycle and i said george what's up where have you been oh the restaurant closed i lost my job i said what have you been living on he goes five dollars a day uh i get a little bit of rice i said oh god oh boy go go put the bike away i'll give you twenty dollars an hour to stand at this door 
And that's how I started. Wow. Guard, yeah. Right? Oh. What's that? He was a security guard. He was security. Yeah. The doorman. He used to sleep in the doorway. He didn't do any yeah. real <laughs> Well, he was great. The guy that played chess is the person taking care of all the bad guys. <laughs> it's always uh, the quiet guys that uh, yeah. are the most lethal. But yeah, I yeah. so so the thing with Lansdowne, which was you know the greatest place for me. I mean, I was there every Monday night, as know. uh, CC knows, with my redheaded friend. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'd come to watch Monday night football all the time, and then of course year round, I would come in and hang out at the bar because they were the best wings. And I told everybody, I mean everybody, and I always want. And the best part about it is everyone I told. It never disappointed. I'm a hundred percent. Anybody that came in, they were like, these really are the best wings. Like nobody, it, it never disappointed until one day when we were there about, I guess, two years ago where they clearly changed the recipe. Ah, uh, interesting. And that new owner, Doug, I think, or manager, he was a manager, oh. Doug. And he yeah. told me, and I said, has the recipe changed? Something's different. And he goes, I was actually in the kitchen when they changed the recipe. So something happened. I don't. I don't. I don't know. think you were a part of it back then. No, so I, I was there, but it was very disappointing. Know, there was look. We didn't change the recipe, but sometimes it doesn't take long for the kitchen to stray from what the recipe is. It's like it. It just. It just gets. It just slips away, and before you know it, you're biting into a wing that doesn't. Well, like, I felt like you had had these other places that you were more concentrating on and you, you know, that, and then Lannistown was just left, like you said, where the love, the secret ingredient seemed to be gone. We well, always that, did say and, that and, and it was very noticeable for me. We always used to joke around with Pat and say, you know, us at Lansdowne, we're just the redheaded stepchildren here. When, Remember Pat? <laughs> people say that, but the truth is since the original Scruffies has closed, I have not made any money in this stupid business. That's oh. tough. Why? Look, I'm living off my savings from the original bar, which was a hit. And I always saved my money and I put the money away from my kids' colleges. And I'm fine. I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you that these bars have been a life suck. <laughs> and really, I once, once my partnership broke up and then I was going to be stuck with these three businesses... Holy Toledo. I've been trying to squirm out of it for years because I am wasting my talents there as much as you love the wings. I'd rather be doing cartoons with Cece. Oh, that's right. Pat got into doing cartoons. Have you seen them, Dave? Or no? No. Uh, Oh, you mean animated cartoons? You should do a whole other podcast just about his cartoon work. It's incredible. Like you're talking about animation, not just cartoons. He's put the twins in the cartoon so you'll i'll send you that link to the one where the twins are in the car- a couple of my cartoons i'd it's love so it incredible. it's so funny it's so funny well, wait friend- i just I, I just want to tell this story uh, uh about uh cc yeah. and and how amazing lansdowne was and <laughs> uh clearly if for one thing you know, you clearly, it's not just the wings, but it was that place. And, you know, it's kind of uh, like you said, the place is, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's it's not, you know, it's not that clean or whatever. <laughs> it's like, it's yeah. just, a, it's a place, you know, and it's, but it's a, it's a place and everybody was always happy. And you, your staff was amazing. I mean, you're clearly, you're hiring process. I don't understand how these girls could be so energetic and happy all the time, cleaning up people's disgusting bones 
You know, I mean, it's like, and they, they just always had a smile on their face and they were always polite to the customers, even the jerk ones. And it, it's fast. And it, it wasn't just them. There was other staff there that was amazing too. They all seemed to enjoy working there, which, you know, is unbelievable. Like I said, when you're serving people wings, you know, yeah. right? cause that's, it's gross, <laughs> but, um, so nice. I'll never forget the, and I think, uh, Cece, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like when the girls made the Discover commercial, <laughs> and you know everybody's always rooting for them. We knew they were actresses, but awesome waitresses. Yeah, awesome sauce. So um, the day I went in, I remember uh, it could have been Cece, it could have been Mel, <laughs> and they were grabbing all their regulars by the arm and bringing them into the bathroom and showing them. Uh, the video of the thing. It was so exciting because but if you're a boy you're just like oh my god what's happening here which hey, is it you know like she really likes me and then it's funny it's like this is how much people like you guys uh cc is that like even though the guys were like oh, oh my god this is happening whatever and then you're like showing this the video you're like oh okay they're gonna show us this but then it, the joy of how much how happy everybody was for you yeah this, then it changes that like Oh, well, all right, great for, you know, whatever. But but then, then after we, everybody was happy for you, I was there another night and I'll never forget this in my entire life. And I've talked about it on the podcast multiple times. The commercial aired while they were working and it was amazing. It was, it still makes me cry when I think about it because everybody after was applauding like, yeah. like a goddamn movie. Pat, was- you weren't there, right? What? Pat, Pat wasn't there, right? You weren't no, there? I wasn't there. But listen, I I remember I was in the front of the bar where the high tops are and I was like clearing tables and Mel was doing back bar all the way at the end. And then somebody said, and you know, there's a gazillion TVs at Lansdowne. There used to be. And someone said, is that you? While I was cleaning their wings. And I was like, huh? And I look up and I'm like, (gasps) and I dropped the tray on their table and I went, Uh, back to the bar and she screamed back to me and we ran to each other uh, and we were watching and then afterwards everybody was everybody was i was so happy to be there i i can't believe that as as an actor like you know you can't wait for your you you know you you, to see yourself on the big screen but to see yourself on 17 big screens and then have an audience or all these fans (laughs) That never happened. Because was- that's what made you guys so amazing is that you made the commercial. A lot of people would be like, I don't need this job anymore. We're going to be still, you're still working. You know, oh, so yeah. then- everybody was just like, these girls are amazing. And then my Super Bowl commercial came out and Pat made flyers and put them on the table. <laughs> right. Is that and the so Coca-Cola that- one? No, that was a different one. Now I'm bragging. Oh. Oh. <laughs> uh, this one was an actual Super Bowl commercial with Keegan-Michael Key for Rocket Mortgage. And Pat was so... Pat was my biggest fan. Like he printed out these flyers of my face. He used, he used color ink on me. And then he put them them on the tables and he said something like, congratulations to Cena on her first Super Bowl. I'm so grateful for Pat and all, all the places that you had really, it like shaped who I am in my life. Thank you. Yeah. Pat, you must be a, you must be a very special person that, uh, you know, the staff really enjoyed working at a place. It's very rare, you know, when they're when they're all not behind your back going like, what a fucking place this is. You know, like, I mean, oh, oh they well, were. I'm sure there's always people. No, we weren't. I, I never saw that. I'm not, obviously, you weren't. But there was other I met a, a, a girl I went out with for a year there uh, only two years ago. This girl, Audrey. And um, I mean, it's like I just 
all, I thought everybody was nice there and they all, I mean, certainly there's always going to be the couple that are angry at something, but it did seem like uh, they enjoyed working there. They enjoyed the, you know, the ownership and were treated fairly, which is, you know, sometimes unbelievable in the restaurant (laughs) industry, as you know, (laughs) sometimes difficult, but listen, I was never really, I was always around like Casper. I'd come in very early in the mornings and get my work done and, you know, I could work there 24-7. There's always something to do in this rotten business. But generally, <laughs> say, what's your schedule like? And I said, well, my schedule is I leave when the first customer shows up because I just can't take it. It's like the customers have a, have a, a giant shop vac to my soul. So <laughs> customer, Dave, that you'd probably be one that I would get a boost out of. There's nine others that are sucking the life genes out of me that I just can't, you know, I have to eliminate that stress from my life. When the people say, what happened in a French fries? You should do this. You should do that. Like a whole day of you should do this and that's, or you got happy hour. Why don't you do an industry? Like, uh, (laughs) (laughs) again, I don't even know how like CC would take. I remember there was uh, one time we were in there, some improv group came in and they were so disrespectful and uncool. And these guys just keep an even keel somehow. I just don't even understand. Because, oh you know, know, Pat can't even take it, CC. So it's no. like, it's no. amazing that you were able to. I can't take I can't. Even at the original Scruffies, my schedule was like the, the bartenders would know when a certain interaction with a customer would occur. And then maybe I'd walk away and they would just say, good night, Pat, see you tomorrow. Because they would know that I was toast. But look know? at you in the sense that you are you hired people that you trusted so much that you could walk away whenever that happened. I mean, that, that doesn't happen a lot either. You're just good but at... The business suffers. When management and ownership is not there, as you saw with the wing change, things, you know, things suffer, you know, really do. It's like you're a mother's favorite... I described the business like the sauce on a Sunday, right? Oh, I can't wait to go home and we're going to have your grandmother makes this great Italian sauce or whatever. And, and it's a dash of this, a pinch of that. And you could get away with not a dash of this. And the next Sunday comes along and you don't have a pinch of that. But then after a few weeks, Oh, grandma's sauce sucks. You know, and that's, about the business like you have to be there you have to be on top of it you have to have a passion for it which (laughs) yeah Yeah. i'm so happy for you that you were able to you know you feel less stressed now right oh yeah i know you're trying to or you're selling right so let's wait let's talk about that for a second so you have uh, first of all uh, let me just also say that i finally went to the new scruffy duffies because that had only opened two three years ago no, that was just September of 2019. Oh, okay. Act of a desperate middle-aged bar owner to salvage the Kiabaka pizza beer idea, which, you know, that was that stupid name was my idea. We were trying to hop on the whole, you know, legalization of marijuana thing, like these college towns have these mellow mushroom bars. So it was similar to that. So we made up this thing like Kiabaka wood is an exotic wood from the islands whose leaves closely resemble that of the <laughs> plant, you know, the whole 
we tried too hard on that one. You know, I didn't even want that space, but my partner at the time was worried that somebody was going to open up right next door to the successful pony bar and eat our lunch. So it's probably never a good idea to open a business for those reasons, but learn. And then I said, the hell with this. I'm going to change it. I'm going to repaint. I had all the old scruffy signage and storage. I said, let me go repaint the sign, rebrand this place and make it more of a bar. The lease at Lansdowne was running out or I was selling it. So I was like, okay, Lansdowne will close. I'll be back to having these two very manageable bars, which really they're easy to manage for me. So it's fine. Whether I sell them or not, they're easy to manage. Lansdowne was a beast and it was difficult to manage. The bills were just made it impossible to make money and it was life sucking. (laughs) But anyway, so we changed the con. I changed it back to Scruffy Duffy's in September of 2019. Okay. Six months of that. And then we had the lockdown. Right, right. So I went there in, I guess, November when I found out that it existed again, I was totally excited. And um, the wings were terrific. I, get, I just sat at the bar by myself, and it was a fun time. I think there was, I was there. It was a trivia night or something. You know, or oh, the, oh. The, the bingo card or whatever it was. I was like, let's pop in and see what Pat's up to. Phil, what's up? Where have you been? Oh, I've been here and there. We were walking by and saw your new Broadway single poster. Phil, this is going to be huge. Monday's in November. Show tunes only. Do me a favor. Put an ad in that magazine of yours. I got to get the word out. Will do. Cheerio. And Pat. Love the outfit. Was that what it was? Yeah, 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 right, right. Singo, Singo, right. Pat's an incredible host. He's, he can do so many things. He does cartoons. He's an act. He can. Did you know he can sing? Did I you know Pat know. sings? Well, I assumed he seems to be some form of journeyman that, uh, you know, like he, you, know, he, you know, he's a renaissance man. People came just for Pat to, so they could oh. be in his presence while he hosted Singo. Oh, so oh. I guess I was there. I guess I saw you host it <laughs> and it was so much fun. And I was planning on you know, bringing everybody back. I kept telling these girls that I knew and every, I'm like, you got to go there. It's fun. They have the Singo. I took a picture of it and I sent it to everybody. And then, you know, all this stuff happened. So, uh, but so, so that, what were we going to say? Prior, just prior to the shutdown, I had gotten rid of most of the furniture. I brought back the pool table. I got the basketball machine in, moved the dartboard, added a jukebox, got the, uh, the, uh, what do they call it? The big buck game shooter. You know, right. yeah. I brought that back, you know, and then you shut down. Yeah. So it's like, I know that place wow. would have been my new definite place I was going to go to once a week. So I know it'll be awesome if I do reopen or it'll be awesome if I do sell it. You know, so, so the, pl- the plan is and this is how, you know, I saw it in the paper. You're That's you right. want to sell. Too. What were we going to say? Susan? And he was on Fox News and he was. He yes. was interviewed. Yeah, he's famous. Go ahead. Right, right. Um, oh, I'm- well, TV Yamamoto, Fox Business Monday, Fox Business Tuesday, WPIX, Fox 5, Reuters. But the reason all of this is happening because you want to sell your two places on with Bitcoin. Or yeah, any cryptocurrency. Fascinating. Any cryptocurrency, right. Either Bitcoin or Ethereum. Ethereum, yeah. 
maybe one of the others I could, you know, possibly. not the dodge because that's unreliable right now. But what made you think that was the plan? It's so interesting. You know, it was like a week. There was a week where that football player on the Panthers said he would accept this salary in cryptocurrency. Yeah. And next week, you were like, I want to sell these bars in cryptocurrency. And then and now you haven't heard about it again. Like you yeah. two guys made the news and then it, it goes back and forth with crypto. Right. Well, I'll have you know that I didn't know about that guy. I thought it was my own idea, right? <laughs> right. I knew it was just an idea. I knew it was going to get attention, right? So when I posted it on Facebook with the original flyer, and I told a few of my close friends, oh, my God, I got a great idea. Wait till you see. And some of my friends were like, what, what? I said, oh, wait till you see how this blows up. I knew it was good, right? So then it blew up. A customer, a new guy in town came to me right away, saw it on Facebook, and he said, look, I was a reporter at the Boston Globe for 20 years, working the craft beer, food, and beverage scene. He goes, I know this story is going to be big. I said, I know it's going to be big. Because I, I contacted the New York Post and I'm going to do a story. So the Post, were, they were the first ones. He did a story. That's where I read it. And then, uh, you know, then they had like a video. They put their New York Post video on. And from there, it took off. But the idea behind it, when I first priced the bars at, I think, 30 bitcoins. And, and also, I love that you want to sell, though. You, you demand, I'm selling both. No yes. Oh, like yeah, <laughs> Hell no. You got to buy both. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, it bothers me just to pay the drive through the toll. It bothers me that I'm like, funny. <laughs> I don't make any money in these bars for years. Not since July of 2017 have I made any money from these bars. Wow. But, but, oh my God, poor Pat. But uh, the, uh, oh my God, get me back on track. Oh, the idea. Uh, I priced it at 25 bitcoins and Bitcoin had just spiked to 30,000. So it was all over the paper. Every, the whole world was talking about Bitcoin. And I thought, oh, it spiked to 30. I'll kind of leave myself a cushion in case it plunges back to 15. No, it goes up to 40. Yeah. So now I That's should outrageous. Really, I would take peanuts for the bars. I just want, <laughs> I want, the truth is, I just want to be relieved of this aspect of my life and move on. And, and um, I know it's, there's something of value there to, for the right person or people is something good there. And I hate to just walk away from it and leave it because I know it's a value, but getting back to the Bitcoin thing, uh, I don't even know if I could sell the bars for Bitcoin officially, you know, I don't even know, but how that works, right? And he said, you know what? This might work. Let's just run with it. Who so, did you, what did you ask? You got cut out? My liquor license attorney. Oh. Him, hey, Terry, you might see this in the news. I'm going to try. I'm going to, you know, he says, hey, go for it. You know, you can always work out the logistics later. And even if a, a regular buyer, I might say, give me one Bitcoin for each bar just for the you know, to mark the that's awesome occasion, you know. So have you got any offers through from Bitcoin? Not Bitcoin offers, no cryptocurrency offers, oh. but I have a few serious inquiries. Some people are interested. Well, that's you know. also what that did by by saying this, you know, crazy idea, which, you know, 10 years from now, 
won't be the craziest. You'll be a genius. You know, it sounds a little crazy now because you're the first. Um, it still brings attention to it so you can get the serious buyers in, uh, you know, so you can, you know, get a, a different array of buyers that you might have yeah. thought of. Yeah. Regular bar and restaurant person at this time, I know they're in survival mode, so they don't have the money. And the fact that some of my regular in my little circle that nobody's interested in my places shows me that they are all scrambling to survive and they're not looking to expand. So yeah. I will expand my little, okay, if these guys don't have it, let's see if I can really splash it out there and see if I get anybody interested. You know, but what came out of this was <laughs> the most important thing that came out of this is my 18 year old daughter, who I have been telling for years how cool I am. <laughs> when I appeared on the CNBC page or what Fox News page with Elon Musk. Oh, and, and then to me in a news video last week that Al Jazeera did with <laughs> Elon Musk and Tesla. And Pat Hughes and Scruffy Duffy's. I, my life is complete. Wow. That's epic. Is she yep. so excited? Of course. Even my son in Boulder, Colorado, who's at the university, uh, he's at the university out there. I sent him the link. He never, ever responds to anything I say to him. He <laughs> was, wow. So cool. So. That's so awesome. That's fantastic. Right. Now you you can retire, Pat. That's it. Yeah. Once you get your 18 year old daughter to think that you're cool, that, that is a form of retirement. Then. Oh, yeah. my God. Good. You know, but it's even, uh, my, even my wife was so excited. She she uh, she came to the bed for marital relations after the first. <laughs> <laughs> I'm married 24 years. To her. It felt like it was like I said to her, I said, whoa, this is a <laughs> It's like my annoyance <laughs> sneaking into the bedroom. <laughs> Dad, that's so funny. No. Well, this sped things along because the business had changed over the last few years in so many ways. People are not, white collar people are not going out to pubs and bars because they're afraid to say something to the people they work with. You know, can't say the wrong thing. Can't drink with the, somebody that works for me. Um, they're the blue yeah. collar people can't come in anymore. They used to come in for you know, lunch, afternoon, and after work, they're gone. And the people are meeting online and sexting and texting online. And that's it. They don't even have to go out to the bars anymore, bar hopping or, you know, it's, the whole thing has changed. And you try to get the bartenders to talk to the customers. And really, all the customers have their heads in their phones. Yeah, the phones, it's awful. You know, I really try hard. You know, I'm in my 50s and I really try hard to... Uh, not sometimes just sit at the bar, maybe read a book uh, and yeah. not be on my phone. I just don't I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's it is really kind of sad. You know, the phone thing. It, when I think about, you know, if you're on a date or something and how people just keep checking their phones, there was there was no way out. You know, when you were on a date, you just sat there and you took it <laughs> and, you, and you went for it all. And, uh, you know, it just uh, it is it is kind of bad. I really try hard to put my phone away if I'm out to dinner. I put it in my pocket and I don't look at it unless I'm waiting for somebody to arrive. Yeah. Uh, I yeah, wish more people would do that. It's true though, Pat. I, didn't, I guess I didn't really think about that. Uh, when I was working, even towards, towards the end, people really were just like everybody on the table were on their cell phones. Yeah. 
when I first started at Lansdowne, it wasn't even like that then. Lansdowne was the perfect place I'd put my phone away because there was no way I was going to touch my phone after eating all those wings. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. Any of those people that were on their phones while they're eating chicken wings, you don't even want to know from. You never want to shake their hands. Yeah. Disgusting. (laughs) Yes, that's true. But guys, I thank you so much for coming on today. This has been so wonderful. Yeah. You've answered a lot of my questions. I got to tell the story of the, that amazing night at Lansdowne with Cece and everything. So wait, oh. Cece, what, so you, what do you have? Go, you, your, your sister and you were doing a, a YouTube show for a while, but it seems like that hasn't happened yeah, in a while. We've, I mean, it's, we've, uh, we wrote a pilot during the pandemic uh, about us, and it's being pitched right now to like some network networks and you know like netflix and other places so fingers crossed yeah you and, guys uh, deserve a show because not only are you good actresses as we've already seen but you're nice people and you work hard thank you if this podcast has shown anything it's how hard do you work that huh. you know, you're doing commercials but you're still waitressing you know you, yeah. you, don't, you don't take anything for granted just like awesome. old awesome. boss here look look them up on tiktok they do fun tiktoks <laughs> Oh yeah, I don't. I've tried. That told me I have to do TikTok, um, yeah. but yeah. Other than that, we're uh, auditioning, voiceover, commercial, TV, film, everything. We're doing it all. That's good. So. Making non-sanctioned appearances in uh, uh, some disgruntled bar owners' cartoons. Yeah. So, Pat, tell me, what are those cartoons? Where can I find them? Well, I have a channel. It's Scruffy Duffy's. I don't know what it's called. I haven't perfected it yet, but one of the things that I'm going to be doing going forward, I'm going to do, I don't know what the word is. You guys are in the business. I'm going to produce and do and and create an animated series about the disgruntled uh, Hell's Kitchen bar owner that's still trying, (laughs) old guy, that's trying to stay relevant, right? And where will you pull from that? I mean, I'm going to put it on the, <laughs> and I'm going to yeah, and I'm going to build my followers. And during this thing, I told you, Cece, that my idea was right. Oh, you never did. Oh, I never did. I'm no. going to um, I'm going to open the each episode. Like, remember, you don't remember, but uh, Dave might. Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdoms. So Marlon Perkins. Yeah, I'll sit in front <laughs> of the brick wall, maybe at Scruffy's, and I'll give like <laughs> the, tonight's episode in context. Oh. And, be a video episode and um and i will flash back to the early days when where the wings were created that'll be an episode i'll flash back to a time watching that <laughs> where, I my, where i met my wife at the bar and how that all went down oh and, do it please i would do it. love that yeah. that'd be fantastic so I know, I know it's gonna be a hit i just need the i just need to be free of this thing you know, oh, you will, Pat. You remind me of Michael Keaton in Night Shift. You're an idea man. You know, you're oh, like, <laughs> I mean, you know, I look a little like him, actually. You know, yeah. but, I heard that be- but anyway, well, you do have nice eyes. Oh, okay. he does. He does. <laughs> he does. oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> but it, oh, you know what? Uh, I have to tell you this one thing. Uh, that stupid anchor bar that opened on 57th Street. Uh, uh, okay, good. I'm so glad you have that uh, reaction so far. Yeah. I, so when that opened, I was so excited because this yeah. is the original bar where they invented the Buffalo wing and it was finally coming to New York. They were the worst wings I've ever had in my life. They had no idea what they were doing. I, I called the manager over and I said, what the hell is this? I was so 
and uh, oh my, and it was overpriced. And they put in a gratuity for just me and my oh. friend. They added in a gratuity. Oh my god! And uh, because obviously it was on 57th Street, they were expecting tourists, and it closed immediately the rent- before I- the pandemic because everyone knew yeah. it sucked. And wow. they little. They used the little wings. Um, they didn't even use the jumbo wings. It was so expensive. I didn't go there, but I checked the menu. I knew they so were gonna- angry. They couldn't make it. I was so excited for it, and they were awful. Everything about them was really bad. Um, in fact, I think they were the old with that bar I used to go to. It might have been Kennedy's. Yes, they had that back room and stuff. Um, I used to like that place, Kennedy's. You know, uh, <laughs> you know. And when I would judge wings, I would judge I judge them through. They have to be like Scruffy Duffy's being the top. So I'd go to places where they had wings. I'm like, these aren't too bad. And everybody would ask, well, where are the best wings? I'm like, well, I can tell you, they're Scruffy Duffy's. And I was at, at the Comedy Cellar. They make very good wings, which uh, right now, because uh, you know Scruffy Duffy's was, was closed, was I considered the best wings. But they're totally different. They're not buffalo wings. They're uh, pluck you wings. They're oh, that's- hey, listen, I have to go now. Yeah, I- yeah. Sorry. Rap. You know the buses when you can see out, but you like when they wrap the bus with an advertisement, right? Yeah. And you, when you're in the bus, you can see out, right? I'm doing that. I'm wrapping my outdoor dining, even though I hate the business, hate the business, <laughs> wrapping it with five, the, the windows are going to be wrapped with Scruffy Duffy's wings advertisements, the flavors, the dog holding a chicken by the neck. I'm actually leaving this podcast. I'm going to pick up the wrap, and that's my weekend project. Well, oh, we're gonna come it. visit, right, Date? We'll go. We'll come visit and have some wings there. Oh so, yeah. Well, yeah. Next Wait, week. Though. Oh, can we go? Oh, that's right. It it's open today. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll come by, Pat. Well, but I, the the dining thing that I built stretches across both bars, and it's heated and it's awesome and it's busy every night. So we'll really. So we can't, but we can't go inside. Even you though can go okay, okay, any, but it's so small there. I think we can. We're only allowed eighteen people. Yeah, but you can. I mean, you know, you'll see. The outside is warm. I'm telling you. I mean, yeah, yeah, we'll I would by. love to. Okay, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. All right, yeah, Pat. Thank you so much. It's so nice to meet you, Cece. It was so good to see you again. Me you look too. amazing. Thank Actually, you. you both look amazing. If I could be honest, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much for taking your time today. Thanks for having this me. awful time. Yeah, me. no problem. <laughs> Let me know. Uh, uh, reach out if you're coming by, and I'll I'll make sure I'm around. Okay. Oh yeah, I'll no, that's my favorite that. thing to do to make sure that you're definitely going to be there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. I'll see you guys later. Bye okay. guys. Bye. Bye. It's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark. And we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. The Night Fly with Dave Juskow. I mean, how much fun are those guys, right? Uh, He's great. She's, I mean, so adorable and awesome. You know, how are you not going to love a guy that doesn't mind uh, having a show tonight at this bar? So, uh, you know, he's using the... Computer animation. He's just starting out. He's doing the animation, so it's the computerized voice. But he told me he has other ones with regular voiceovers. I told him I'd help him if he wants to uh, put in the real voices or anything. But I, I, I don't know. I thought it was cute. If you're watching the video portion, it's a lot more cuter than the uh, the computer audio portion. But uh, I just thought it's fun. He's a fun guy, and she's obviously a delight, and probably should be working a lot more. 
and uh, hopefully her and her sister will. I see no reason for them to be not huge. They're both adorable and fun and just great people. And you don't find that too often in uh, in actresses. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? So, hello, let's pop in and see what's going on. That's the old name of the bar, uh, which is now Scruffy Duffy's. But I think we're going to go to Hellcat Annie's um, soon, maybe right after I tip this podcast. I mean, if I have a chance to have some really decent chicken wings, <laughs> I'll take it every time. But anyway, yes, uh, you know, a, a great story and a tragic story at the exact same time. All thanks to this lovely pandemic. Speaking of which, running a restaurant in New York City is truly a thankless job. It is very rare and difficult to make money in the restaurant business. You almost have to ask yourself why anyone would want to do it. It's so tough. And, you know, what could be worse than this time happening? Something nobody ever expected. It's quite unbelievable and a great story for you know, the year or so that uh, we've had. Yeah, I keep thinking, you know, what, what, you know, when my friends who have all owned restaurants, you know, when we were younger and these great restaurants, I mean, it's just funny. It's just, I think it's a thing you do in your 20s or 30s if you can do it. And, you know, because it's exciting. And then you realize, then you have to make a choice, probably around 36, where you're like, all right, Am I doing this for the rest of my life or am I doing something else? Like my friend Mitch. In fact, I should have had him on today. Maybe we'll talk to him next week. Um, he's called in a couple times just when we've had the call-in shows. Uh, Mitch Silverberg, you know, used to own two or three of the best restaurants ever. The most fun times were had by all. And then he got out, you know, because it just because running a restaurant is almost impossible. There's probably only a handful of people we could have on that have had 30 to 40 year careers in restaurant. I mean, you really got to go all in because you do make a choice at a point in your life saying, can I, can I continue to do this? There's nothing harder, I think, than making a, a profit when owning a restaurant. In fact, the best thing you could probably do is sell it and move on and buy something else and then try and work that one into a place that you can sell for profit. But yeah, when you're there, the cost and the rents here in New York City are I mean, they're ridiculous. You know that my friend Vincent couldn't keep his going because they tripled the rent. They tripled the rent in that Murray Hill neighborhood. How's anybody supposed to keep up? I mean, yeah, he was paying a, a low price, you know, for that area. But triple it's almost saying we want you out. and We're doing something else with this place. But now New York City's learned a lesson. Perhaps maybe this thing is good in that sense where. You know, things will go down a little bit, maybe. Maybe it'll even everything out and be almost fairly normal, at least for New York City, for a period of time. Maybe this is kicking the pants everybody needed because they were just jacking up the prices so much so that things got out of control. Anyway, that is our show for today. I hope you liked it. If uh, Again, if you're watching the video portion of this, it means you are a Patreon subscriber. And I appreciate that. If you do want to see more of the video portion of the podcast, please subscribe to my Patreon page. It's Patreon Dave Juskow. That is all things Juskow. Um, you know, if you're at the, uh, the, the Calico level and above, you got the video podcast. And then the video podcast comes out a month later on YouTube, which, of course, our uh, interview with Wendy Liebman will come out uh, this week, being that it is 
exactly a month. Also, if you're at the $10 level, you can ask questions uh, on the, uh, the, 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 the Comedy Cellar show. You can, uh, you know, or I give you a shout out or whatever. And uh, some of the bigger guests that we have, like an Amy Heckerling or Colin Quinn, you can ask questions if you feel like doing so. Otherwise, I just thank you for your patronage on the Patreon page. It really means a lot to me. And I appreciate all of you that give me. Well, we will uh, go back to our regular audio format only next week, which I know everybody loves. But I want to thank my guests today who were really terrific. Pat Hughes, uh, CC. I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you got a little insight on what it is like to own a restaurant in Manhattan, especially these days. And I'll see you next time on the legendary Nightfly podcast with me, Dave Juskow. Good night, everybody. Good night.